Blog Talk Radio. The Funky, Funky Writers Show is now in the air, spotlighted on BadRedHeadMedia.com as a top author podcast on the web today and called a total blast of a show for writers. My name is Robert Batista, and with over 200 episodes now in cyberspace, the Funky Writers Show is surely now a cultural icon. Connect with us on the exciting Twitter page by going to at the funky writer. In dealing with my own healing from abuse, I chose kindness as my avenue to heal. I believe that when being kind to myself or to others, I would have to drop the pain and suffering, the anger and resentment, the grudges and judgments. I discovered that it was true, that anger dissipated, that resentment turned to compassion, that grudges seemed pointless, and judging others or myself was difficult to continue because I was busy finding ways to be kind. These are the insightful words of today's guest, author and poet, Sandra Jeffs. Welcome to the Funky Writer Show, Sandra Jeffs. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, wow. I'm just uh, in awe of your accomplishments, Sandra, and I am so honored to have you on the show. So let's start off. Sandra, welcome. You must have known way back when you were 10 years old that your calling was to write. You were 10 years old when you wrote your first story and published it to your friends by copying it out of a notebook paper and stapling the sides together. You knew you had something you wanted to say, and it had been a burning desire all your life. Sandra, talk about that first initial itch of burning desire you felt even at such the younger age of 10? Well, I was always shy as a child, and in spite of that, I had something to say. And the shyness kind of kept me quiet, but I found that in writing, I could say what was inside me. I eventually got over the shyness, uh, but writing has always been an absolutely necessary thing in my life that I've done constantly, whether it was journal writing, short stories I haven't done a lot of, but a little, but a lot of poetry and novels. 
Moving along in your life, Sandra, when you earned your MFA in creative writing, you were required to write a book for your thesis, and you chose poetry. First off, why did you choose poetry, Sandra? Well, um, because, mostly because I was going to do a novel, but the professor I had to work with was quite abusive, and abuse has been a theme in my life, so... I switched to the other professor who was not abusive and did poetry instead. But I've always been an author, you know, a novelist, poet at the same time. So that book was called Beyond the Seventh Day. Talk about how this wonderful, wonderful book came into fruition. How did you make that book happen? Um, as I said, I've always written, and I had a lot of poetry already written at that point. And for me, those two years getting my MFA were the best years of my life because my homework at university was to write. And so I wrote uh, on any feelings. I've always been an imagistic poet, and I come from a place of feeling. And so it's a compilation of different feelings, different settings from euphoria to sadness to growth, uh, you know, just a, a whole compilation of different poems. So I know that your main genre is, as you said, poetry. So right. let's talk about what your early, early poems were about. Um, how, what what was that? What was that poetry like when you first started putting those words down on paper? Um, what genre was it about? Um, mostly the earliest work, which I admit at this point wasn't as wasn't that wonderful. But my early early work was about writing about the feelings I had for friends and family, people that were in my life, trying to express my inner admiration or love or uh, compassion for them. And that's kind of, I, I'm always trying to get the feelings that come out. Sometimes poetry will start with a phrase that will come for me about a situation or a person, and uh, the poem builds from there. So I guess you would say that inspiration can come from any place at any time. Right, it can. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so I'm very excited. You have graciously agreed to read from your poetry for us. Would you mind reading your first poem for our audience? And please give us the title and some background. Right. I've decided to read uh, two poems which are uh, quite intense about abuse, um, and especially abuse in childhood. Um, and then a poem about healing, which uh, my current book is about healing from abuse, not just the abuse. Um, so the first poem is called Who Informs the Child? Parallel to the road sat a boulder where she perched on that day, afraid to go home, afraid to go back to school, weeping and anxious, sure of a beating to come. Mama had taught her well. A scathing tone warned the child of danger, but it was her name. Her name said in full that Mama would spit like venom. 
then follow with a slap or five. The child had learned. At Walt Whitman Elementary, kindergarten had just begun for her. Each morning, a roll call sounded the child's full name, and she would tremble, for she knew what it meant to hear her full name said. It was only the third day when she walked to school but couldn't go in, ran halfway home before realizing her mistake. As she returned to school, she looked in floor-length window slits, saw children with paints and easels, a scene begging her inside, yet her halting dread sent her away to that boulder where a passing neighbor saw her, stopped, and took her home where she is informed with the terror of her name. Beautiful, so again, beautiful. Uh, you know, you know, Sandra, abuse and its survival, um, healing through writing, um, seems to be, for many of us, myself included, a catharsis, a healing, a, a therapy. Um, talk about how therapeutic and, and how uh, the writing and, and the poetry has helped you heal uh, from your uh, past abuses. Well, um, I've always written, as I said. I've written in journals a lot to get it out. I have found personally and in talking to hundreds of abuse survivors that being able to tell your story is the first step. You have to admit what happened, not from a victim standpoint, more from a survivor. This is what happened. Um, and too many times people will tell the story, but they tell it as a victim. Um, so it's getting over that place of victimization and just saying the truth of what happened, uh, which is the healing part. And it's only after once you've done that that you can step into a place of, of then healing the wounds completely or as much as possible. So let's talk about your great book. Um, let's talk about the feedback. Um, you chose a lot of the poems that went inside the book. Um, how did your poetry make the cut? How did one poem survive and, and be in the book and another not? Uh, what was that process like? Um, honestly, I had no intentions of ever publishing any of this, poet, most of this poetry on abuse. Um, I wrote them more to get the story out there, and I had read several of them at poetry readings. Um, and at the point that I got to, you know, 16, 17 poems, I decided that it, it would be better to share it, that it was time to uh, be vulnerable enough and brave enough to put the book out there and hope that other people could see a, a bit of their story in there and find the courage to start talking about the abuse that they've experienced and then heal. So that was my main process. So let's talk about the book's cover um, and its title, by the way. Um, it's it's uh, The Sky and Clouds, and the book's title, of course, is called Finding Home. Um, how did you come off with the title and cover? How, what was the thought process from that? 
Well, the cover is, a, is my own uh, photography, and uh, there's a seagull uh, flying in the sky. Um, right. And I chose I chose that particular photograph because uh, one of the main poems in here is about finding home, uh, and about you know that process of letting go and uh, and deciding that you're going to heal and stop hiding and burying the wounds and the scars. So the photograph with the blue sky and the clouds and the bird, uh, to me, felt like that bird is going home, that bird is flying where it needs to fly, and allowing the bird inside of us, the best of us, to fly. You've traveled the world, visiting right. 35 35 different countries. Wow, that's amazing. And living and working for five and a half years in Tokyo and seven and a half years in Dubai. Would you Mm -hmm. say, Sandra, that all of your travels and experiences in these different lands has helped you in becoming a better writer and author? Absolutely, and a better person. I think when you force yourself... Well, when you force yourself to go all by yourself to a foreign country and live and work there and survive in the culture there, you you have to learn to be adaptable. And I've always been a pretty adaptable person anyway, Um, but also I've also been a risk taker and I love adventure. I love learning. I'm curious about everything. So the experience of traveling and seeing so much of the world and living, actually living in a culture um, forced me to reach inside and question my values, question my perceptions, my opinions, my biases. And I hope, I, I know I'm a better person for the process. Um, I hope that I've become a kinder and more compassionate a more visionary person as a result of that. It was it was a passion for me. I still love to travel, um, but it was also one of the best experiences of my entire life. So I got to ask you, um, did you hook up and meet and hang out with other writers when you were in Tokyo or Dubai? Occasionally in Tokyo, I have a, a very good friend who was also a poet, and she and I did a couple of readings when we were in Tokyo. Uh, but in Dubai, there weren't that many writers, uh, so I didn't, I didn't have uh, much opportunity. The writing community was very meager, so um, I was kind of on my own. But as a writer, you spend a lot of time on your own anyway. <laughs> Yes, a lot of times it's such a solitary thing, definitely. Um, You know, another instrumental instrumental segment of your life, Sandra, is being a cancer survivor. How How has this shaped the spirit of your artistic works? Well, in my first book, Beyond the Seventh Day, there are numerous poems on that experience and being healed with cancer. Uh, Obviously, when you're faced with your own mortality, um, and I've also had three near-death experiences, you you look at things differently. Your perspective is forced 
to, to ask the questions, you know, how am I going to survive this? How, how can I overcome it? What can I do? Um, so I, I think I came out much, much stronger. The second bout of cancer was, I think, even more uh, telling for me because I really had to say to myself, I'm going to beat this. No matter what, I'm going to find a way no matter what happens. Um, the first time I was just scared most of the time. <laughs> the second time I found resources and strengths I didn't even imagine I had. Um, wow. It was uh, the best and the worst, I guess. <laughs> wow, isn't that such a thing? Um, you know, Sandra, um, we talk about how writers write a lot. Um, and so many authors have told me that they have different times when they are creative. Some are creative at dawn. Some are creative during the day. Some are creative in the middle of the night. Some authors can whip out a pen or a laptop anywhere, write anything, anytime. And some need a quiet place and time. Um, which one are you? <laughs> that is the... Good question. Um, I think I'm a compilation of, of all of them. Um, what happens for me when I'm struck with inspiration is I, I call it my demon because I'm very much consumed by it. And unfortunately, because my husband died young and I had two children and I was the only support, I had to work. So I spend a lot of time uh, repressing my need to write because uh, once I start and I get, I can't sleep. I don't want to eat. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just have to write it and get it out. And so I wasn't competent at work the next morning because I hadn't gotten any sleep and I couldn't get my right. mind off my writing. So I, once I'm writing, it doesn't matter if it's day, night, where I'm at, what I'm doing. I, I'm really quite consumed with what. I need to say and how I need to say it until I get to that place where I feel satisfied. I'm never complete. I don't think any writer is ever completely satisfied, but as much as possible satisfied so I don't feel that compulsion. Now that I've stopped uh, working a nine-to-five job and I'm able to just write and be uh, at home, I can... I don't find any trouble writing just about any time I want. I don't have a lot of writer's block, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, we writers, we're on 24-7, 365. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even keep a pen and notepad next to my bed because there's exactly. been times where I've literally dreamed a character or dreamed a sequence or a scene, uh -huh. and I just wake up. And before I forget it, I'll write it down before I go back to sleep. So you're 100% right. You know, we all you know, we're, we're lit 24-7. What you say? I have the same thing. I have pen and paper by my bed everywhere where I can grab it in the car. I pull I pulled off the road sometimes to just sit and start writing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't stop writing. That's the harder part for me is to stop writing. <laughs> so let's get 
Let's get back to your wonderful book, Finding Home, Healing from Abuse. Talk about the feedback. Talk about what, what people who've read this book have told you. Uh, the main feedback I get is that it's very intense, um, that it's sometimes uh, difficult to uh, read and to accept that those things can happen and do happen. Um, and in asking people to explain that a little bit more deeply, uh, most of them are upset that it actually happened to them and they're not wanting to look at that anything like that happened to them or could happen. Um, the, uh, the other comment that I get a lot of times is there's so much hope in what you're writing uh, that there's hope to change it and that... Uh, courage to change it is the other word I hear. And you mentioned you mentioned your children earlier. Um, what did they What did they think of the story and what mom went through and um, how did they take it? Uh, you know, my oldest son was a little surprised because you know I'm not a victim. I don't talk a lot about it. Um, right, right. But, but he found it enlightening, and uh, my youngest son has not read it yet. He's very, very sensitive. Okay. He said, Mom, I can't read it right now. I'll read it someday, but I can't read it right now. <laughs> sure, sure. That's, that's understandable. Um, Sandra, can you please read the other poem for us now? Sure. Uh, this poem is uh, called Don't Tell, and again, it's about a child and about the need to keep, you know, especially physical horrible abuse a, a secret, the shame right. that, is, that children experience when they've experienced this kind of thing. So it's called Don't Tell. She told me not to tell about her big brother's two friends on coke raping her. The school nurse thinking Susie young at nine for a period. She told me about the stranger lying with her mother. Susie just wanting her books, but the man bends back her fingers until they crack, and Susie swears she'll never tell. The frying pan slams against Susie's face, her father drunk in a rage. She escapes to school, begs me not to tell. They walk toward us in the playground. The teacher, the principal, a policeman. Susie's jaw so swollen she cannot talk. Flashing red lights on a white ambulance while the whirly-go-round turns and Susie won't let go of my hand. The end. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it. Um, let's talk about... Sandra Jeffs, the person. Where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like that you can basically talk about? Well, I grew up in Salt Lake City. It was a very religious Mormon family, and yes, uh, very, yes. very poor. And uh, my mother was very abusive, uh, verbally, uh, sometimes physically, but mostly verbally and emotionally. Um, and you just didn't talk about it. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, it, hitting your kids was 
norm. <laughs> Most of my friends, they didn't have constant hitting, but if a parent reached out and smacked you upside the head, it was considered the norm. So I thought it was pretty normal as a child to, but my mom was very abusive verbally. What were some of the books and authors that inspired you in your youth? Were you an avid reader back then? I was. I always read a lot, but, you know, I read all the uh, Nancy Drew and uh, all of those series that went out in the 50s. And uh, then I I spread out to, I, I was mostly novels, read a lot of novels. Um, you know, read all the mystery stories in the um, Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, I still today read a lot of mysteries. I like the mystery genre. Poet-wise, it wasn't until I got into my teenage years that I started reading a lot of poetry. Even though I hadn't read poetry, I started writing poetry in my, uh, you know, early teens, but I didn't know what I was doing and hadn't read a lot. And Right, um, right. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bishop uh, is a wonderful poet who is my hero. I read a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, you know, all of the, I read all of the great poet of poets eventually, and still do constantly. But uh, Elizabeth Bishop is is really my biggest inspiration, and probably second would be Edgar Allan Poe, from a poetry standpoint. On your website. SandraJeffs.com. There's a, a video, a YouTube video on there of you reciting. Um, how did uh, talk about your YouTube, YouTube channel and how that came about, and how's that going for you? Um, it's going pretty good. I uh, I had a professional photographer come over, a, a cinematographer come over, and film me reading three of the poems from this book. Uh, and then started the YouTube channel, uh, and I've done several other videos on uh, little animated videos on happiness and kindness, and uh, uh, also using music to heal, which are the other two avenues that I use to heal. So the web, the YouTube channel is still struggling. I invite anybody to go and please subscribe. Um, I try to add regularly to my channel as much as possible. Um, yes, I love doing it. It's wonderful. So before we forget, let's talk about your upcoming novel in progress called The Envoy. What does the title mean, and what's the story about, and how far along in it are you? Well, I'm in the final stages of editing, I hope. Uh, one always finds something else they can <laughs> work on, but I think I'm in the last editing process. Uh, the Envoy was an ongoing kind of waking dream that I had. Uh, it's a spiritual journey about uh, how, how can we actually find peace in this very violent, very uh, disruptive planet that we live on. And it kind of had its roots right after 9-11 when I was really upset with what was going on, the hatred and the anger and the fear. 
And I was actually in the Middle East during uh, the 9-11 attacks. So I sat in meditation for days just asking for some awareness for why, you know, do we struggle so much with wars and hatred and anger and revenge? And what came really clearly to me is that we will never have peace on this planet until each individual can find peace, that the peace has to begin within the person. You have to start loving yourself, loving who you are, and loving the journey you're on. So as a result of that, I started, you know, daydreaming about what would happen then. How could this transpire? And um, when I came back from the Middle East, uh, I just sat down and in three months wrote the book, Uh, which is a novel, but it's a spiritual journey about a woman that wakes up one day and finds she has the power to heal people in their hearts and their minds and in their their bodies. And what that does, how many people resist, don't want to be healed, don't want it to be okay, don't want to let go of their pain and suffering, love living in that place. Um... And it's very relevant for what we're dealing with right now in the world <laughs> with our political situation and, and even the, the terrorist attacks around the world. Uh, yeah, so that's basically what the book's about. Yeah, you and I are on the same wavelength. Uh, I wrote a poem called Peace Begins Within. And uh-huh. that's exactly what you're what you're talking about, you know. Uh, right. So when when we are beings of peace, then that can translate translate, you know, to others. But it starts within. So um, let's talk social media, Sandra. I know you're you have a YouTube channel and you're on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, of all the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial? for your brand, and which, in your estimation, is the best for writers? Or does each platform offer its own special compensations? Well, I think there is a special compensation for each one of them. Personally, I found for the book that Twitter has been uh, the most beneficial, uh, but Facebook, Facebook is a whole different era uh, Instagram and the others I haven't found to be helpful as a writer, as an author. Um, right. But on Twitter, I'll get lots of feedback, lots of like-minded people, which is where I met you uh, and the Funky Radio. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that is so, so good for me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm hoping the YouTube channel uh, picks up and I get more subscribers to it. Um, and more people, you know, passing it on and sharing the word. I I really want to just get the word out that you've got to start telling your stories about abuse and and then start the healing process. And you've got to have hope and love and peace uh, for it to change. So, uh, yeah, Twitter would be my number one for, as an author. You know, so many of us say the same thing. I'm with you. Uh, I think Twitter is the best. So um, in closing, Sandra, um, mm-hmm. I, have, I have what to me is a very interesting question. Of all your travels, 
and all your accomplishments and degrees and, and journeys, what would you say is the thing, besides your children and your family, what would you say is the thing that you are the most proud of? I think I'm the most proud at being adaptable and being able to still stay positive and happy and in a place of love in my heart. As I've had a lot of really horrible things happen in my life. And um, to be able to just adapt and find the beauty in life, I'm really proud that I've been able to do that. That is such a beautiful thing. Um, what's next for Sandra Jess? Uh, besides your upcoming novel, what other irons do you have in the fire coming up? Well, I have a couple other books brewing in my head <laughs> that okay. I want to get out. Um, I've got uh, another. I'd like to republish uh, Beyond the Seventh Day, and I've got a whole other book of poetry that I'd like to publish. I'm also a jewelry designer and uh, have my own online jewelry store. Nice. So nice. I love doing anything creative, <laughs> and I'd love to have the jewelry uh, take off as well. It's called FinesseJewelry.com. Yeah. That's a beautiful so thing. So... Give out any contact information, your your website, uh, how people can follow you, and any other contact information you'd like. Yeah, my website is sandrajeffs.com. Uh, and uh, on Facebook, it's also Sandra Jeffs. Uh, my Facebook page has a, a specific page for Finding Home, Healing from Abuse for the book. And on Twitter, I'm on uh, at Finding Home Book. Uh, so, and my YouTube channel is also Sandra Jeffs. And for listeners, sometimes Jeffs is hard to hear. It's like the boy's name Jeff plus an S on the end. <laughs> I so got it. <laughs> pretty much located under Sandra Jeffs. <laughs> All right. This has been the Funky Writer Show with me. Robert Batista. I'm at at author R. Batista on Twitter. Look for my free short stories, Carmela's Dream and My Baby Has No Name on Smashwords.com. My guest has been a phenomenal human being, author, poet, and survivor, Sandra Jeffs. You can go to her website, SandraJeffs.com, and feast your soul. Thank you so much, Sandra, for being a guest on the Funky Writer Show. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Have a great evening. Bye now.